And no, we're not reading both chapters. I'm going to save you. We're going to be out of here by noon. When, jo- when Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us, so that we may live and not die. Then ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, while the others, with the others, because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for the famine in the land, for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the one who sold grain to all of its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come here to see where our land is unprotected. No, my lord, they answered. Your servants have come to buy food. We are the sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. No, he said to them. You come to see where our land is unprotected. But they replied, Your servants were twelve brothers the sons of one man who lives, who lives in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father, and one is no more. Joseph said to them, It is just as I told you, you are spies. Do this and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison while the rest of you go and take grain back to your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do. Then they said to one another, Surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. Reuben replied, Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting of his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them, since he was using an interpreter. He turned away from them and began to weep but then turned back and spoke to them again. Then the, man who is, then the man who is Lord over the land said to us, This is how I will know whether you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me and take food for your starving households and go. But bring your youngest brother to me, so I will know that you are not spies but honest men. Then I will give you your brother back to you. As they were emptying their sacks, there, were, there in each man's sack was his pouch of silver. But when they and their father saw the money pouches, They were frightened. Their father Jacob said to them, You have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now you want to take Benjamin. Everything is against me. But Jacob said, My son will not go down there with you. His brother is dead, and and he is the only one that's left. If harm comes to him on the journey you are taking, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in sorrow. Now the famine was still severe in the land, so when they had eaten all the grain they had brought, from Egypt, and their father said to them, Go, go back and buy a little more food. But Judah said to them, The man warned us solemnly, You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother along with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go down, because the man said, You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. Israel asked, Why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you had another brother? They replied, The man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. Is your father still living? He asked us. 
Do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions. How are we to know he would say, bring your brother down, bring your brother down here? Then Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy along with me, and we will go down at once so that we and you and our children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back and use to you and set him before, here before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. As it is, if we had not delayed, we could have gone and returned twice. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. When we lived in our, when we had, were pastoring our first, or when we were first living in California after we had graduated from college, we were living in the wine growing area of, of California. And so grapes were everywhere. And we had moved into my father in law's house when they moved to, to Thailand. And he had in his backyard, he had a, a trellis that had grapevines all over it. And he said as he was leaving, Oh, you're going to need to trim up those grapevines. And I looked at the grapevines, and there was just a tangle, a mess of grapevines going everywhere. And there was a man at the church who was a gardener, and I, I asked him, I said, can you come over here and help me learn how to, how to prune up these grapes? And he pulled out his, out his uh, pruning shears, and he just went to town on, the, on these grapes. So pretty soon there was just this huge pile of, of vines laying on the ground, and I look up, and there's, there's almost nothing left of the grapevine. Grape and I said to him, well, you, you're, you're cutting everything away. And what he said to me, I'll never forget. He said, you've got to ask yourself the question. He says, do you want vines or do you want fruit? He said, if you want fruit, you have to cut it all the way back to just before where you see the fruit. And he said, everything else, he said, everything else that doesn't produce fruit, he said, you have to cut that off and that just gets burned up or thrown away into the junk. And I never forgot that. Because when Jesus says in John chapter 15, he said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off me and cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that, even, that it will be even more fruitful. And then he says in verse 5, or he goes on in verse 4, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And you say, what in the world does this have to do with Joseph? It has everything to do with Joseph. Because what God is doing, we're joining Joseph now in chapter 42. It has been approximately 21 years since God has given the dreams to Joseph. And Joseph has been sold by his brothers into Egypt. Joseph has gone through the place of being sold by his brothers, being purchased by Potiphar, the captain of, of Pharaoh's guard, living, with, living in Potiphar's home, then being accused of rape, being put into prison, rising up in the prison to the second highest place in the prison, and then getting out of prison. And last week we talked about how Joseph had been risen to the place of second highest in the land. This has been a 21-year process in coming to this place. And in that time, has God been at work in Joseph's life? He really has. But not just Joseph's life. We also see that God was at work in his brother's life and in their father Jacob's life. He is doing a work of pruning. What he wants in Joseph's life is he wants fruit. And is Joseph fruitful? Very much so. But there's still work to do in Joseph's life. What does he want in his brother's life? There's several things that are going on here and things that God is seeking to find in, in Joseph, in the brothers, and in Jacob's life as well. And the first one that we're, that we're going to look at is Joseph with forgiveness. Will Joseph truly forgive his brothers? 
The second thing that God is seeing in the brothers is, will they be honest? Forgiveness, honesty. And the last one with, with Jacob is, will Jacob finally put someone else ahead of his own needs? Will Jacob finally stop being so selfish? And those are three questions that we're going to be looking at. Three things that God is pruning at. And you think about it in our lives. God never stops pruning in our lives, does he? God said it is for my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. So as we listen to the sermon today, and as we're confronted in our lives with these issues of forgiveness, of honesty, and lastly, of selfishness, is there a point in my life, is there something in my life that God is seeking to prune so that my life will be more fruitful for him? Let's look, first of all, at Joseph. In, chapter 40, in Genesis chapter 41, verse 56, we just get kind of the backdrop of what's going on here. Let me get, get this real quickly. Genesis chapter 41, verse 51. It's, uh, excuse me. Genesis chapter 41, verse 56 to 42, 2. It says, when the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe in all the world. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us, so that we may live and not die. I did some research this past week on, on famines. And this famine, that God went to the, to the extent that he did to bring the nations to, to Egypt, really shows his mercy and his grace. You realize in the last 200 years, there have been three, there have been three major famines in this world. One of them was in China, one of them was in Russia, and one of them was in, in, the, uh, in, in Ireland. And, and while those famines and most famines that have happened in this world have been a year, two years at the most, three years at the outside, they've resulted in the loss of tens of millions of lives. Think about that. And just think what this famine would have been like had not God intervened in this. This was a seven-year famine. And already in in year one or year two, we don't know which one of these years it is that the brothers are coming back. Already it's so severe. Think about it. Think about this. Reading Galatians chapter 4.4. In the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, God, in the fullness of time, God sent His Son into the world. When everything was ready... When everything was ready, then God initiated what he wanted to do with his son. When everything was ready here in, in, Jacob, in Egypt, God initiated and God began doing it. God always does it that way. God is always at work in our lives. And whenever God is ready, when everything is in line, God will take the initiative to tap us on the shoulder. God always does that. And God has taken the initiative here to bring the brothers to Egypt. I wonder when they heard about Egypt what they thought. This had been the secret. We talk about in English, we use an idiom. It's the elephant in the room. It's the thing that nobody wants to talk about. Everybody knows it's there. All of the brothers were there, and they knew what it was that they'd done to Joseph. And yet nobody's talking about it, and they're all looking at each other like, don't you dare say a word. And when their father says, I want you to go down to Egypt, the last thing that they remember about Egypt was their brother going that way. But in their minds, he was out of sight, out of mind. They had not a clue as to what God was doing in the background. That God had raised Joseph up to be the second highest person, the second most powerful person in the known world at that time. And they were going to come face to face with him. And Joseph, Joseph, as he sees his brothers, what do they do before him? They bow before him. 
They bow before him, and Joseph remembers his dreams. But will Joseph, will he truly forgive his brothers for what it is that they've done? And you think about it, they say, well, how come they didn't recognize him? Right here. The men of, of Israel, would have been, they would have been on the trail for at least 10 to 11, or 11 to 12 days that they would have been on the trail. Can you imagine what they must have smelled like after 11 to 12 days on, on the trail? And then they had beards, and they were dusty, they were dirty, and what were the people of Egypt? They were very clean-shaven. And Joseph would have been working through an interpreter, and when Joseph sees them, I wonder if his breath, he didn't get, if he didn't catch his breath when he saw them there. Had Joseph truly forgiven them? See, here's one of those things that God does in our lives, where every one of us has been hurt at some point in our lives. Some of you have been hurt very, very deeply. And you want to ask the question, God, where were you when I was being hurt? God was right there. God was right there. I don't know why God doesn't intervene all the times. But God is there. He's not forgotten you. He's not turned his back on you. And when we are tempted to doubt the love of God, we say, God, if you truly are a God who's powerful and a God who truly loves me, then why did you allow this? Why did you do this? Why didn't you do this? And whenever we're tempted to say those kinds of things, where do we go with that? We go right back to the cross. Because we read in God's word that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were dead in our trespasses and sin, God died for us. He raised us to life. Did he love us? He did. Let me say that again. Did he love us? Yes, he did. Does he love us? Yes, he does. Is he involved in what's going on in our lives? Every day, every day. Had Joseph truly forgiven we read, in, we, read, we read last week that it said in uh, Genesis 42, excuse me, <clears throat> Genesis 41, verse 51, it said, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh. He said, it is because God has made me forget all of my troubles in all of my father's household. Oh, really? Had he? Now Joseph has an opportunity to look at his brothers. They're all there in front of him. Has Joseph forgiven his brothers? Do you notice what he didn't do? Do you notice what he didn't do? He didn't say to them, Oh, have I been waiting for this day? Uh, uh, look what the cat dragged in here. Boy, look, I, have, I, I knew this day would come. Hey, you remember me? Let me take off my little hat here. You remember me? You remember what you did to me? Yeah, now who's in control? You don't know the half <clears throat> of what it is that I'm going to do to you. We don't find that anywhere, do we? We don't find that anywhere. In fact, what we see is an incredible amount of restraint on Joseph's part. He doesn't, he doesn't say anything. He says to them, he, he says to them, he says, you're, you're, you're spies. And what do they say back to him? No, we're honest men. <laughs> Are they honest men? Will they, will they ever be honest with what it is that they've done? They've been carrying a lie in their hearts for how many years? At least 21 at least 21 years they've been carrying this lie in their heart. Will they finally be honest? This is one of those branches that God prunes off at us. The first one is forgiveness. Will we truly forgive? We're called to forgive, aren't we? In Ephesians, or, um, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Forgive as in Christ you have been forgiven. Sometimes we want to hold that back. We want to hold back that forgiveness. We, we say, well, when that person does this, then I will. No, 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 no. It doesn't say that. 
It doesn't say that. Why is God so, so uh, strong on forgiveness? Because when we hold back forgiveness, and when we hold it back, and when we live with unforgiveness in our lives, that is a barrier between our relationship between us and God. And God is the one who comes, and God is the one who unearths those things in our lives. And he shows us, this is an area of your life. You are holding back forgiveness. I have forgiven you. Of what? Of everything. Aren't you glad that God doesn't pull the sheets back on your life and reveal all that, all that has happened in your life, all of your thoughts? God said, as far as the east is from the west, he said, I have forgiven you of your sins. He said, I choose to remember it no more. He says, I cast it into the depths of the sea. I put it behind my back. And when God chooses to forgive, what does he also do? He chooses to forget it. Well, I'm not God, Pastor. I get it. But do we have God within us? Has the very Son of God come to live within us? If anyone is in Christ, he's what? He is a new creation. Behold, all things have turned, uh, behold, all things have become new. You are a new creation in Christ. Who is your strength? He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Here's one of those times I'm going to geek you here for just a second. Remember we talked about several times here, a double negative in Greek? A double, double negative in English is, I ain't got no. We, we, don't, we don't normally talk like that. And in Greek, this is one of those double negatives. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It is so emphatic that Jesus is saying, you can't do anything apart from me. And we want to say, well, I, I can do things. You may be able to do things, but they won't be of eternal and lasting value. And what God is seeking for is fruit. He says, it is to his Father's glory that you do what? That you bear much fruit. The only way that there can be fruit is if we allow God to do the pruning in our lives. And God cuts away those things in our lives that do not produce fruit. And the stuff that does produce, he prunes it even more so it will be even more fruitful. In Joseph's life, he's pruning off that, he's pruning in that area. Will Joseph, have you truly forgiven? And Joseph, or God brings Joseph's brothers right before him. And Joseph, it says, he remembered his dreams. He remembered the dreams. Finally now, 21 years later, now, God, I begin to see I begin to see what it was that you're doing. And he goes to the brothers and he says to them, he says, he says you're spies. He says, you're spies. And he says, no, 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 we're, we're honest men. They weren't honest. They weren't honest. That's why God's brought them to Egypt in the first place. Yes, there's been a famine in the land. But God has also got something going on in the brother's life. It is interesting the lengths that God will go to in your life to bring you to that place of where he wants you to be. In this case, God used a famine, didn't he? What else is God using to get our attention right now? For some of you, it may be a health issue. For others of you, it may be a relationship. For others of us, it might be a financial issue. Others of us, it might be, and you put in the blank. God will not let us rest. He will not give us a moment's rest. Thank the Lord for that, that he won't give us a moment's rest where there are things between us and God. We go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And God there, Adam and Eve, they've sinned. And what's the first, what is our first inclination to do when we've sinned? We hide. We hide. When confronted with sin, many times men, 
what, what, what will we do? Oh, it wasn't that bad. I, I, didn't, I wasn't on that site that many times. Oh, really? Let's go back and look at the history. Oh, you were there 135 times. Oh, and it says you were on there this amount of time. Well, it wasn't really that much time. Hey, it says it right here. Oftentimes, as men, we downplay what it is. We, it wasn't, wasn't really that bad. At what point do we get honest? Because God confronted Adam and Eve, didn't he, in the garden. And what our first inclination when we sin is to do it, what? It is to hide. It is to hide from God. And it says God came to them walking in the cool part of the day. And they, and they hid from him. And he says, why did you hide from me? He says, because we were naked. And he says, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree of the good, of the, of that I told you not to? Did God not know that answer to that question? He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. Absolutely he knew the answer to that question. So why did he ask? Because he wanted them to be honest. Will you be honest? And what did they do? Oh, it was her. It was him. It was everybody else. They foisted the blame everywhere else. One of those things that God works at in our lives is will we be honest about our past? Will we be honest with those things when God confronts us in our lives and says, hey, this is something that is standing in the way of between you and me and my relationship. You're really short with your husband right now. He comes in at the end of the day and you say things to him that, uh, that aren't really very nice. When your parents talk to you, uh, your, your first reaction is one of you want to snap back at them rather than answering them in a proper way. The way in which you've been doing your business. It, it's all about you and it's not about me. There are times when God lovingly confronts us, doesn't he? Because those are things in our lives that he wants. Are you, will you be honest? And will you come to me? And when we come to God, will he forgive us? I should ask the baptismal candidates this. We went all we went through this this morning. Will God forgive us? It's a promise. If we confess our sin, it's a conditional promise. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. It's a conditional promise. And when God makes a promise, does he have every intention to keep that promise? All of the promises, God's word says, all the promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And when God makes this promise to forgive us of our sins, he promises, but is it a conditional promise? It is. What must I do? I must confess. If we confess our sin, he is faithful. Confession is the first part of it. Confessing what it is that I did, that what was wrong, what stands in the way of my relationship. But what's the second part of confession? It's repentance. And what is repentance? We talked about this too this morning, baptismal class. Repentance is, I'm walking this direction. I'm walking away from God. I'm doing what I want to do in my own life. And when God gets hold of my life, I turn around and I go in this direction. God says, that goes against all that, I th- all that I'm about. And I turn and I walk in this direction. Because this is the direction that God is going. And John the Baptist, when he is baptizing people in the Jordan River... He says to them, produce fruit in keeping with righteousness. If you have turned, if you have truly repented of your sin, it should be evident in your life, in the way and in the things that you do. This is what you were doing before, and this is what you're doing now. This is what glorifies God. This is what saddens the heart of God and produces distance in the heart of, between our relationship between us and God. And he says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Honesty. Honesty. Did you catch that little phrase when they said, we're, we're 12 brothers. One is no more. 
Joseph is hearing all this, isn't he? Can you imagine what that, that felt like to his heart? And later on when the brothers, when they, when they say to one another, they say in verse uh, 42, chapter 42, verse 21 to 23, they said to one another, surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life. And what were they doing while he was pleading for his life? They're having a ham sandwich. Or not, maybe not ham. They were eating lunch. It says that they were eating while he was, while he was crying out for, for help. And he says, we saw how distressed he was, how he pleaded with us for his life, but we wouldn't listen. That's why this distress came upon us. Now watch Reuben. I told you. Didn't I tell you not to sin? There's always one in the crowd. There's always one in the crowd. He says, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But no, you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. And they did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. For the first time, for the first time in 21 years, these brothers talk about what it is that that they did. The scriptures are really clear. They don't give us every last detail. They don't give us every year of what happened in those 21 years. But they point out for us those things that the Holy Spirit wants wants to show as important. Did they realize what it was that they'd done? But realization and acting upon that realization are two different things. We don't see them. We don't see them yet making any confession to Joseph of what it is or confession about what it is that they've done. They don't know that this guy that they're standing in front of is the second most powerful person in the, in the world. Or they know that, but they don't realize it's their brother. Never in a million years would they have thought that God would have done this. And only God could have done this, right? Think about the lengths to which God will go to bring our hearts back to him. And he, he moved heaven and earth literally to do that. Well, it was a test. But not only is God testing Joseph, Joseph's heart and the brother's heart, but there's one person left, and that's Jacob. Well, Jacob put aside his selfishness so the whole family won't be in danger. When the brothers come back, when the bro- remember what happened here? When, uh, when the brothers face Joseph, Joseph says this. First of all, he put all of them in prison. For three days, and then after he brings them out of prison, he says, do this, for I fear God. That should have been something to them. He says, I fear God. And he says, I'm going to keep back one of your brothers, but you, you bring back the youngest brother. You bring back the youngest brother, and then you'll not only be able to get grain, but you'll be able to have your brother set free. So they go back to their father. I wonder if they knew their father and what his reaction was going to be. Joseph's the patriarch, excuse me, Jacob is the patriarch of the family. He was the one who should have been leading in this family. But what is he doing? Jacob, of all the things that that we see in him, it is a selfishness. And where does it go back to? It goes all the way back to Joseph. I mean, he was selfish with Joseph. He He had love for who? He had love for Rachel, and he had love for Joseph. He had no love for any of the other any of his other children. They were expendable. Did you notice who he sends to Egypt? The brothers who were expendable, not the one that he loves. He's keeping him. And so look at what happens here. In verse, um, in Genesis chapter, uh, let me get here. When faced with the prospect of sending, sending Benjamin back to Egypt, um, he, he wants no part of it. Ah. Sorry about this, folks. Well, let me, just, let me just go from my other notes here. Sorry, sorry, sorry. For um, Jacob's...
I am really sorry about this. This is discouraging. So when they bring, when the brothers come back to, when the brothers come back to Jacob, and they tell him, you know, the man that we were that that we saw, he said that we have to bring back our youngest brother. What did what did Jacob say to that? No way. He said everything is against me. Did you catch where Jacob's heart was at? It's all about him, isn't it? He said, everything is against me. He said, Joseph is no more. Now Simeon is no more. He thinks Simeon is dead already. And he said, if you take back Benjamin, he said, I'm going to lose Benjamin too. Did you notice where his focus is at? His focus is all on himself. His focus is all on himself. And he's saying, you know, this is what's going to happen to me. Did you notice what else he said? He said in, 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 over in chapter 43, he said, why did you tell him you had another brother? Oh, Jacob. You're falling back on your old ways. What does Jacob's name mean? The one who grasps the heel. He is a deceiver. Jacob has lived his life as a deceiver. And you think, okay, maybe at some point now he's finally changed from that. No. Why Why did you tell him that? Why didn't you tell him something else? And the brothers say, and I wonder if this wasn't Judah. He questioned us closely. And we just answered honestly. Joseph knew exactly the answer to all the questions. Was Joseph seeing that his brothers, would they be honest? Yes, he was. And Jacob has an opportunity to lead here. And he blows it big time. Because where is his focus? It's all on himself. Who comes to the top? Who comes to the top in this? And I'm going off my, I I can't find the right note there. But who comes to the top in this situation? Remember a few weeks ago, We talked about Judah and Tamar. And we talked about the fact that chapter 38, it was almost like a page fell out of a book and it was just put in anywhere. God didn't just put chapter 38 there just anywhere. God put it there for a reason because Judah, it's out of the line of Judah that's going to come Jesus Christ. And with Judah, we talked about the fact that when everything happened with Tamar, there was a change in Judah's life. Here's where we see it. Because what does Judah say at, at that point? Judah says, we can't go back. We can't go back. Jacob says, go back. He says, go back to Egypt and get a little more grain. And Judah says, we can't go back. The man there said that unless we bring back our youngest son, he can't come back. And he says, everything's against me. And Judah says this. He said, I will be responsible. I will be responsible. If I don't come and place him back in front of you, I will bear the responsibility for the rest of my life. This is the same Judah. This was the same brother who just 21 years earlier brought the the coat, brought Joseph's coat with the the goat blood on it. They said, do you recognize this? Is this your son's coat? They didn't care anything about their father. Remember we talked about at that point, I'm hurt. um, Help me out here, babe. I'm hurt. I hurt. I hate I'm going to hurt you, and I don't care. And that's where they were. They didn't care. You guys did a good job at remembering that. I'm hurt, I hate, and I'm going to hurt, and I don't care. That was 21 years ago. And when when Judah is faced, when he stands before Joseph, Jacob finally gives the son up, finally gives Benjamin up to go with him. And remember, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this next week, when the cup is found, when Joseph's cup is found in Benjamin's sack, Benjamin would have had to become Joseph's servant for the rest of his life. 
and Judas's place. I promised. I promised that I would take care of him. I'll take his place. And it's at that point that Joseph realizes at least one of them has changed. At least one of them has truly changed, and that was Judah. And that's the point where Joseph then, we'll talk about next week, I am Joseph. Only God could have done this. But do you see the lengths to which God will go to work in our lives to bring us to that place of will we, will we, number one, will we forgive? Are there people in your life that have hurt you? Probably. Have you forgiven them? Because that lack of forgiveness, that hampers your relationship between you and God. And it also doesn't do well with other relationships in your, in your family as well. And I go back when you're tempted to say, but pastor, you don't know what I went through. I don't, but God does. And God is the one who said he was able to make all grace abound in you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God's grace is there for you. God's strength is there for you. And God calls us to forgive. Is there somebody that you need to forgive? Is there somebody that you need to let it go? Maybe that person has already passed on. Maybe you never see that person again. But in your heart, you carry that sin. I was reading, um, reading an account about uh, Gordon MacDonald. He wrote the book, Restoring Your Spiritual Passion. And he said he was flying into a city where he was going to be meeting with a whole board of men who had really determined where his, where his career was going to go. And as he was flying there, he said, in my heart, he said, there was going to be, he said, I knew that there was going to be a man at that meeting, a man who had hurt him, who'd said things about him, it just almost destroyed his, his reputation. And he said, he knew that this guy was going to be there. And he said, I had to make a choice because he said, I was waking up at night, and he says, in my, when I would wake up at night, he said, I wanted nothing more than to hurt this man. I wanted nothing more than to embarrass this man and ruin him in the way that he had ruined me. And he said, as I sat on that plane and as I looked out the window, he said, God, I cannot go into this meeting like that. He said, I can't let go of this, of this unforgiveness in my heart toward this man. I can't let go of what it is that he did to, did to me. He said, but I know that, God, you can. Would you free me of this unforgiveness in my heart? And he said it was as though somebody took a knife and he said, that stuff just oozed out of him. But he said he was changed. And he said he got off that plane and he said he was fairly skipping off the plane because he said he knew that God had done something in his heart and in his life. And he went into that meeting and that man who... Days before, he would have wanted to have nothing to do with. He said, I saw him in a different light. And he said, I saw him through the eyes of Christ. God wants to do a work in our lives. And for some of us, it begins with unforgiveness. Forgive as in Christ you were forgiven. Go back to God. Go back to him and say, God, you've asked me to forgive. I cannot do this on my own. God, would you enable me to do this? That second one about honesty. Are we honest in the things that we're doing? Guys, I'm going to kind of lean on you for a minute here. I'll come back to the ladies in a minute. Some of you are out on the road quite often. Are you honest in what, what you're doing with your expense account, with uh, what it is that, that, that you're doing when you're done for the day, the things that you watch on the TV, the things that you do when no one's looking? Honesty. Honesty. It's honesty and integrity. You, you made a commitment to your wife. You stood at the altar, and you made a commitment to your wife. But when you prayed to receive Jesus Christ, you also made a commitment to him that he could have your life, and he could have his way in your life. 
Is there honesty in your relationships? Is there honesty in your heart before you and God? God will prune off. God will keep touching on that area of your life until you deal with that, until you're honest. And for some of us, we've had something like that. And we have. We've, we've prayed about it. And we have, we have confessed that thing. We've gone back and we've made restitution for that thing. And that thing just keeps coming back. It just keeps coming back in our life. Is that of God or is that of the enemy when that keeps coming back? If God has forgiven it, has he, has he truly forgiven it? Will he keep bringing it up to our face? No, he won't. And when those things come up, if you have made restitution, if you've confessed that, if you've been honest before God and honest before men, and those things keep coming up before your eyes, you want to say in those times, that is under the blood of Christ, I have been forgiven and I have been cleansed of that sin. And I, I know that because of what God has said. Have you been honest? Are you being honest before God and before those in your life? And the last one, selfishness. Would Jacob finally put someone's needs ahead of his own? And in our lives, we can look and say, well, you know, a lot of my life revolves around me. If it does, God is going to be very quick because where does God want our life to revolve around? Around him. He wants our lives to bring glory to him. And where there's selfishness, where it's all about me, that takes the focus off of God, doesn't it? Then who becomes the one that's God in our lives? And so, as I wrap this up, as I wrap this up this morning, the lengths to which God will go to work in our lives, incredible. But why does he do it? Because God so deeply loves us. Because God knows that these things don't produce fruit in our lives. I think probably one of the hardest things is to allow God to do his pruning in our lives, isn't it? Because he will, won't he? And it's never fun. But can we say before God, God, I want, I want to bring you glory. I want my life to bring you glory. What brings him glory is if our lives produce fruit for him. Then God, would you prune off in my life all that doesn't produce fruit. And that which does produce fruit, would you prune it even more so that it is even more fruitful for you. Remember when uh, just before we, we left uh, our home in, in Minnesota this past fall, um, we had apple trees. It, it, this is God. The, the first, first year the apple trees really, really produce is the year that we've got to sell the house and move away. I mean, we've been babying these apple trees for, you know, seven, eight years now, and they're finally, finally producing. And the one just had apples all over the place. And I knew from my studies, as, uh, I was a master gardener in Minnesota, and, and I knew that I had to do something that made no sense. I had to go out to the tree. This tree was just heavy with fruit. And I had to go out to the tree and pick apples off the tree and let them fall to the ground. Because if I didn't do that, the ones that were on there weren't going to, be, weren't going to get big enough. And they were also going to break the tree. And God, in order to make our lives even more fruitful, will work in our lives to produce more fruit. And it's not always fun. It, all, it doesn't always make sense. But God is after fruit, not after leaves in our lives. Amen? Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for your strength. Thank you for your strength from my voice this morning. And God, also thank you for your hand in our lives, for the way in which you move. Uh, we're not here by coincidence this morning. You wanted us here. You wanted us to be in a place where we would hear your word and hear it in a very clear way. Father, you are so kind to us. You care so deeply about the relationship that you have with us that you're willing to go to great lengths 
great lengths to bring us to a place of where we see what it is that's going on in our lives. But Lord, seeing is not enough. We must be willing to deal with what it is that's going on there. Lord, I pray. I pray for each one here. Many of us have been hurt deeply in our lives. We've had a spouse walk out on us, a spouse who stood at the altar and said, I love you, and I'll be with you for the rest of my life, and then they walked out on us. We've had a coworker who has done things that just cause us to, be, cause us to lose our job or lose a promotion. We've had people steal from us. We've had people say things to us. We've had people hurt us physically. And yet, God, in all of that, in all of that, God, you call us to forgive. Lord, that is not easy at all. And at times, God, it's like you ask us to fly to the moon and back with our arms. But, God, you are the one in whatever it is you call us to do. You're also the one who enables us to do everything that it is you call us to do. Lord, I pray, too, for us that where we're not being honest, both before you and before others, that, God, you would not give us a moment's rest until we are absolutely honest before you because those things stand in the way of our relationship with you. And lastly, Father, would you help us to be people who are not about ourselves, but about you. Father, prune off in our lives those things which don't bring you glory. And God, where there is fruit, prune it so that it's even more fruitful, so that glory is brought to you one and only name. And we ask this and we pray this, Father, in Jesus' holy name. I pray too, God, give strength. As we go into this week, I pray that, God, we would know the depth of your love for us. We would know the depth of your care for us. And that, Lord, you would bless your people with strength. And I pray this, God, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Unto him who is able to keep you from falling, to present you before the Father, blameless and with great joy, Now may he be the one that walks with you through this week. And may his hand of blessing rest upon you. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. Have an amazing day.